Would you mind standing with me as we read God's word? This is a really awkward message. It is a message on leadership. When you're a leader and you give a message on leadership, it seems very self-serving. And if there's ever been a time I need to be hidden, it's this message. This is, why am I speaking on it? It's in the text. We're just going through the Bible. We're going through Acts. It's on leadership. It is a very, very important message. Here we go. Acts chapter 20. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. This is the Apostle Paul. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who are with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said These things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving, especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they were accompanying him to the ship. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, this is a critical message for every American, every American Christian. This is a critical message, but I must be hidden by your cross. We must hear you, we must see you, and we must respond to you. Would you please, Holy Spirit, come and speak, and then, Lord, heal. Heal every wound that has happened at the hands of leadership. We love you, and we praise you, and we commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message is Right Leadership. Point one is the importance of leadership. Because leadership has been so abused in this country, because 
Leaders of churches have used their position to make money, used their position to control people, manipulate people, to stroke their own ego because leaders have used their, their, their position to say that they're different, they're entitled, and they, it's okay that they're immoral, it's okay that they do this because they're the leader, they're the pastor, because all of these wounds, because pastors and leaders have justified being mean because this is just who I am and I'm going to be mean and, and have run roughshod over the sheep, um, because all of that has happened, and, and even if it hasn't happened specifically to you, you know of somebody that's happened to, or you've watched the preachers on TV, or whatever, oftentimes what happens is, and, and especially in our culture, is we decide, because there's been bad leadership, that we're going to go with no leadership except for Jesus. Jesus alone is my leader. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Just Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. It's so American. I'm just going to have my own personal relationship. And yeah, I'll, I'll watch a sermon here and I'll read a book here. And I, but it's just, it's just me and Jesus and that's all I need. And I, I have been wounded and I've been hurt. And so I don't trust human leaders. So it's just going to be me and Jesus. So here is the, the, the problem. You can never fulfill your destiny. You can never fulfill what God made, the fullness of what God made you for without having, without being part of his church, without, without having human leadership that, is, that you are submitted to. Pastor Tom, why is that? Why, why, why would you say something so random? Here's why. It says that God purchased the church with his own blood. Jesus shed blood for the church. And he said to his, to his first leader, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guys, this is the only thing Jesus is building on this earth. The gates of hell are the strategies of hell. That, the gates of the city, that's where everybody made their plans. Jesus said, I'm going to build something. I myself am going to build it. And the church that I built Hell will not prevail against. The strategies of hell, all the things hell wants to, will not prevail against what I am building in the church. Guys, this is the only thing that the strategies of hell won't prevail against. You choose to do it your own way. We're going to go with leadership has hurt me. I'm going to go with no leadership. Fine, hell will win. You might make it to heaven, you might get a few things done, but you'll never come to fullness. You'll never do fullness because Jesus is building a church. And here's how he runs it. He says, I'm sending, this is in John 16, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is only going to speak what I tell him. He's gonna listen and the Holy Spirit is going to speak that which I tell him. He's gonna take of what is mine and he is going to reveal it to you. So Jesus is running his church by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says that the Holy Spirit has set you as elders over the church. You did not make yourself elders. You did not make yourself pastors. Whenever we honor elders or honor leaders, we, we never make them pastors or missionaries or elders we can all humans can do is recognize what the holy spirit is doing 
and say, we see the Holy Spirit doing this and we honor this. The Holy Spirit of God has set leaders in the church at the command of Jesus. This is the church that Jesus is building. The importance of leadership, part of humbling ourselves before God and discovering his timing for our lives is related to submitting to leaders God has put over us. Let me read 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Well, Pastor Tom, I'm very humble before God. I just don't have any humility before people. Do you see that in this text, that the whole thing, the way you humble yourself before God is to be humble before people. That, it, that, that God resisting the proud is in the context of people not wanting to submit to leadership, not wanting to have leadership over them. It sounds so right. I'm, I'm, I'm humble before God, but not man. God has raised up leaders. One, they are supposed to rebuke you when you're 11. So guys, I was a piece of work when I first got saved. (laughs) Honestly, I look back and I just, I shiver at at who I was and, and I was so sure of myself and I was so excited about God and excited about the Holy Spirit and Alice and I had started dating and uh, um, you know I was reading a lot of Andrew Murray's books and 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 of course when you're when you're young and you read stuff you think you already know stuff and so I just I just felt like I had all this stuff to give and um, I was part of a college and career group very large college and career group and there were four leaders over it and those four leaders ran the group. And then they had all these other leaders that were small group leaders. And they had, they had seen leadership in me. And so I was part of the, of, of the leadership. Whether they should have appointed me a leader at that time or not, I don't know. But they did. And so they had to live with me. And, and so every two weeks, we had this leadership meeting between, between the services and and we were, they, they, would, they would give the plan and they would give their plans. And, uh, and I sat in those leadership meetings and there wasn't one that went by where about halfway through, I'd just have my hand up. And they'd keep saying what they're going to do, what they're going to do. In there. And then finally, one of them would say, Tom. And I'd say, yeah, I, I'd re- I, just, I just, I don't feel good about that. I feel like you guys are, are under law. You're under performance. I feel like, and then I would say something I got from Andrew Murray and why, why this would be the way God, and they would be very polite and say, okay, and uh, thanks for saying that. And then they'd go on <laughs> every week. And, and, and I just, you know, I, I, I could not see myself. And, and I, I, I talked to Alice and Alice was an encouragement to me and, and I'm like, you know, we had a huge Sunday school. There were like 100 young people in this Sunday school. And, and Brian White and Tom Alexander would teach this and, and, and some of the other leaders. And, and I, I told Alice, I said, you know, I, I really think I'm, I'm supposed to teach that Sunday school. I said, but, 
because I just, I really feel like I've got what these, what the young people need and, and but I'm humbling myself before God. I'm not going to promote myself, but, but I really believe that God's going to raise me up to teach that Sunday school. And, and so one day, sure enough, Sean O'Haran, he's one of the four leaders. He comes and, and he says, Tom, I'd like to meet privately with you. And uh, so we've, we have it set up when we're going to meet. So I go to Alice. I say, honey, it's coming. God is exalting me. I, you know, I, they, they've seen it. They've seen that they need, they need to, my voice needs to be heard. And so I meet with Sean. It's after a Sunday morning. And it's, it's here, but it's all the orange. If anybody was here in that time, everything was orange. And it says the orange pews in the back. And Sean brings me aside. We sit down on the pew. And Sean starts this prayer. I have never heard a greater fear of God prayer. Here, he, he starts praying this way. Oh, God in heaven. God, I know you love Tom. But God, this is going to be so hard for him to hear. God, would you please, please, God, speak. God, please, you do something for Tom that only... And I'm just like, mm, this is not going the way I thought it was. <laughs> something, something bad's coming down. Something, something bad's coming down. So he gets done with this fear of God prayer. And he says with tremendous tenderness, he says, Tom, he said, you, you've had something to say in every one of our leaders' meetings. And he said, you know, the actual things you're saying are not bad. But he said, you're saying them in the wrong spirit. You have a spirit of pride. And as he says this, the Holy Spirit overwhelms me. My heart is cut open. I know that he is speaking the exact truth of God. And I said, Sean, you are right. I repent. Please humble. I, please, please forgive me. I humble myself. I will not do this again. Honestly, guys, if that meeting had not happened, I would not be here today. It's very hard for young people to see themselves. It's very hard for those filled with the Spirit, those God is speaking to, to see themselves. Leaders have to step in and help people see what they can't see. And it's very hard work. I'm so grateful that I had a leader that was willing to say the truth to me. Leaders are here to help you find your spot. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand by humbling yourself before leaders. And at the proper time, at the kairos, at just the right time, you will be released. You will be exalted. You will, you will find your spot. You will start to flow the way you were made to flow. We, leaders are not here to oppress you. We are not here to hold you down. 
It's all about you being released. It's all about you being who God made you to be and having the freedom to do it. But we want you to do it in a way that you don't destroy everybody. We want it to be at the right time. We want it to be in the right way. And, and, and so leaders do this. Alice and I were juniors in college. I remember this as if it was yesterday. Tom Alexander's office was way up there. And I go into the office and I explain to Tom our plan. We are going to go with this missions organization that feeds the poor around the world. And we're going to drop out of college. And we're, this is going to be the first step of our call to ministry and our call to missions because there's a call of God on my life. And here's what Tom says. Please don't do any of that. <laughs> he said, he said, I want to, I, I was a business major. He said, the first thing I want to say to you is finish your college education. He said, I, he said, I know lots of people that didn't finish because of God and they, re, they regretted it. He said, I don't know anybody that finished their college education and said, man, I really wish I hadn't done that. Finish your college education. See what happens, but finish your college education. And so I went to Alice and honestly, I took it as the voice of God. Honey, we're not doing that. This is what we're gonna do. This is what Tom said. She's like, good, let's do that. I was an investment broker for three years in town here, and God started speaking to me. I had some dramatic experiences about ministry. The first thing I did is I went to Roger Olson. Roger, Pastor Roger Olson, he was over the youth group. I was one of his youth workers. I explained the whole story. Uh, Roger, Roger joined me in prayer and actually set up the opportunity, and I became a youth pastor. And, but even as I was a youth pastor there, I would talk to Roger regularly. What do I do here? What do I do there? What do I do there? So grateful to be connected to a leader. So grateful that somebody was helping me find my way and releasing me at just the right time. I was brought back here by Pastor Heckman. I served as a college and career pastor here for four and a half years. And then God, once again, I had a very dramatic experience. God was telling me to be a lead pastor, but where did I go? Pastor Heckman. And I, I just told him what I was feeling. He said, Tom, he said, it's it's interesting because Donna and I had this conversation like yesterday. You are ready. This is the Lord. This is the Lord's kairos for you. Oh my. Thank you, God, for godly leaders to help us, to protect us, to, 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 to teach us how to wait, how to be humble, and then to be released at the kairos. <clears throat> You and I need to find leadership that we are persuaded we can trust. This is Hebrews 13, 17. This is the New International Version. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So here's the interesting thing about this verse. Here's what the New American Standard says. Another great translation. Here's how it reads. Obey your leaders and submit to, to, the, to their authority. And I'm like, 
There is a world of difference between obey your leaders and have confidence in your leaders. How can one Greek word mean both? So I go into the Greek word and I read vines and I get all the Greek stuff around this word translated confidence in one good translation and obey in the other. And here is what this word means. It means to obey them because you are persuaded to trust them. It does not mean blind obedience. It means you and I have a responsibility to test the leaders and follow those that we are persuaded are trustworthy. There is nothing in the body of Christ, there's nothing God says that you should blindly follow leaders. The leader told me to jump off the cliff, so I'm going to jump off the cliff. The leader told me to have that little glass of Kool-Aid, so I drank that little glass of Kool-Aid. There is, there's nothing in scripture that says we are to blindly follow leaders. We, it, it, it is on us to Follow leadership that we are persuaded is trustworthy. But I want you to see something else in this. You don't get a pass because you've been hurt by leadership. You don't get to, you are not the exception that I just get to be a cynic. I'm never going to be part of a local church because I got wounded and God knows how wounded I got by a pastor, by a leader. Therefore, I'm not going to be part of the local church anymore. I'm going to be wounded. God knows I've been wounded. And so I'm going to be at hand's length from the, the local church from now on. You don't get that pass. Now, I, I get the wound. People get more hurt in church than by anybody else. Because why? Because we, you know, when politicians are corrupt, that's disappointing, but they're politicians. When business people are corrupt, it's very disappointing, but you know, they're businessmen. But when we come to church, we came to get healed. We, we were looking for something better. We were for look, looking for something more pure. And when we find corruption in church, when we get abused or manipulated or, 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 or in any way twisted in church, the hurt goes much deeper. And so I get that. I get that. And I, and I, I, I get it's very American to just say, no, 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 no. But, but God doesn't give you a pass. God wants you to be part of his church. He wants you to be under leadership that you can trust. So how do you find leadership that you can trust? What does it look like? If I'm supposed to decide whether I can trust leadership, what, what do I look for to find leadership that I can trust? Number one, this is point two, but it's got four points in it. Number, number one, <clears throat> leadership you can trust. They lead by example. I got a secret for you. Leaders are not really leaders. There's only one leader, and that's Jesus. So leaders are actually, they are first followers. All leaders are in the exact same position you are. We are just part of the sheep. We just happen to be given a little of the shepherd's anointing, and so we have a different responsibility. But we are 
among you as one of you. We're on the exact same journey, experiencing the same thing. And, and so Paul points this out to the elders. He said, listen, I have been with you three years. I have, been, I, I have not put myself above you. I have wept with you. I have cried with you. We have been in the trenches. I have not abused you. I haven't taken your money. I haven't taken your clothes. I haven't manipulated you. You have, you have seen my example. I have lived this out in front of you. I have not made myself an entitled uh, above you person. I have been right among you. Listen to Peter, because Peter says the exact same thing in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal, look at this, as a fellow elder. If anybody could have said as an apostle, it would have been Peter. Peter's like, as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Leaders you can trust, they lead by example. Number two, they please God and not man. Paul references his suffering. He says, you've seen me suffer. You've seen the trials at the Jews. Look at what he says to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor that Paul is discipling. We have two letters from Paul to him, First and Second Timothy. Here is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verse 3 and 4. Join with me in suffering. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. What is he saying here? A soldier's motivation is behind him, not in front of him. A soldier is not deciding what he wants to do. He's not deciding what would be the easiest to do. He's not deciding what the best strategy would be. No, no. A soldier, the whole, the whole uh, culture is to reduce him to obeying the one that sent him. Regardless of whether it's going to be hard, whether it's going to be difficult, whether you're going to understand why would he tell us to go here. The whole idea of an army is you need to be obedient. In fact, a soldier needs to expect it to be hard. Expect that you will suffer. You're in a war. Don't consult your feelings. Don't consult your own opinion. You need to please the one that sent you. And then this interesting, he doesn't become entangled in civilian affairs. What does that mean? That means soldiers do not take a survey of the people to find out what would be the most popular. What would be the best thing to do? You know, what do you guys think? You know, da, da. No, you need to be above politics. You need to do what I tell you to do. So, in, when we were still Mad City Church, we had a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And a woman on our staff, great woman of God, a true intercessor, 
let our, let our Tuesday prayer meeting. It makes sense to have an intercessor lead the prayer meeting. I attended every single week, but she was an intercessor. I'm not an intercessor. She would cry. She, would, she, just, she just was a great leader. And, uh, and then one, one staff meeting, she came to us, and she said, please pray for me. I am being crushed by leading the prayer meeting. The burden of this thing is killing me. I, I can't explain it. It's like an oppression. And so we prayed for her, and then uh, the next morning, I wake up at like, I don't know, four in the morning. I, couldn't, I just couldn't sleep, and I'm like, might as well get up. And, and I'm, for whatever reason, I'm praying for her. I'm praying that God will help her carry this load of leading the prayer meeting. And while I'm praying, I get a picture. And this picture is this massive ship And this little rudder that's under the water, this little unseen rudder that's under the water. And here's what he says to me. I want you to lead the church from the prayer meeting. And I immediately knew that currently I was leading the church from Sunday morning. And when you try to lead a church from Sunday morning, you will end up leading it politically. You will lead it trying to persuade people and this group and that group and what does everybody want? And, and, and that he said, I, I don't want you to lead that way. I want you to lead the prayer meeting and I want you to lead the church from that prayer meeting. And uh, so I came to the staff the very next week and I said, guys, I, I, this is the dream. I, I, I'm not saying I'm a good leader of a prayer meeting. I don't really, I'm not a, an intercessor, but... I'm supposed to start leading the prayer meeting. And prayer meeting needs to now be the most important meeting of the week. And, uh, and that, that was at Mad City, and then it carried over to, to City Church. We say this at every membership meeting. The furnace of the church is the prayer meeting. Sunday morning, we, it might, Sunday morning might appear impressive, and it's the big ship, and all the lights are on, and the worship team's up there, and the prayer meeting, uh, prayer meetings are, they're, you know, they're, they're not attended as well, and they're, you know, they're, they're not that great, and, and you just kind of come together, and you, you, you know, pray, and whatever's on the list to pray for, and, and, and this was part of the vision, that, that no one would think that that little rudder would be so important. Obviously, the big ship is very important, but is this little rudder, this little unseen, unimpressive rudder actually is running the whole thing. And, and that anything other than that is deception. And God, God wanted to change a culture. They please God and not man. Thirdly, they feed the people of God. Paul says this, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Leaders are supposed to be feeding people the actual word of God. Not their opinions, not yesterday's news. They are to feed people the word of God. That word 
It imparts the very grace of God, the very generosity of God. And that word makes us favored sons and daughters that are part of this inheritance. God has, through the mystery of preaching the word of God, he's used it to to set people apart and to give them all that is on his heart to give an inheritance among the children of God. This is what leaders are supposed to do. They're supposed to feed you. Well, Pastor Tom, aren't we supposed to feed ourselves? Absolutely. We're supposed to read the Bible. We're supposed to pray. You, you need to be a self-feeder. But let's be honest. People have jobs. They've got kids. They've got schedules. They're going here or there. And everybody doesn't have the luxury of studying the Word of God, digging deep for the Word of God. And, and that's why church is very, very important that there are people that are doing that. It's their job to do that. And then they, they give that Word. Peter, Jesus is speaking in Luke 12 about the end times and that he's coming like a thief in the night and that everybody needs to be ready and you need to be, keep your lamp burning. And and Peter said, "Is is this for everybody else or does this include us? And here's what Jesus says. It is the most direct word he gives to Peter about his job. Here it is. Here's what he says. And to the servant that the master has put in charge of the house, to give them their food at the proper time. If he is doing that when the master returns, he will be greatly rewarded. Jesus has put, the master has put some people in charge of the house, and here's their job, to give them food at the proper time. That's the kairos. This is what we're in charge of. To give the right food at the right time requires intimacy with God. This is all true, but how many know there's many, many truths in here? How many know you got to give a different word at a wedding than at a funeral? you got to give a different word at a miscarriage than you do when somebody won state basketball. There is a word for everything and every season and every time. God always has something to say to you. He loves you. Whatever your circumstances are, whatever life has thrown at you, whatever the devil has done, God wants to speak. God has a word. But for leaders to know that word, to know that kairos at the proper time, this is just what I needed at that time. We, we need to be absolutely committed to intimacy with God. It is our job to feed you. It is our job to have the word of the Lord at the proper time. And then Jesus says some of the most sobering words in all of Scripture, and he says it to Peter, his leader. Here's what he says. But if that servant says to himself, my master is a long time in coming, and he begins to use his position instead of to serve the people to start beating the other servants, to start using, just taking the position that he's been given by God and using it for the wrong reason. Or if he uses that position and, and, and says that he's entitled and starts leading a life of drunkenness and, 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 and just feeding his own pleasures, he said, that master's servant will come at a time that he doesn't expect him. And he said, what he's going to do with that servant? He's speaking specifically of Peter. Of the consequences. He will assign him a place with the unbelieving. And he will beat him with many, many blows. And he says, those who know little, 
they, their judgment will be little. They will receive few blows. But those who knew much, those who were appointed by me over other people, those who abused their position and gave themselves the right to do whatever they wanted to do because they were the leader, they will receive the worst judgment. There is a reason why James says, uh, not many of you should seek to be teachers. Teachers are going to be judged worse than everybody else. Paul says to them, I did not shrink from telling you the whole counsel of God. What's that mean? Here's what he's saying. I didn't just tell you God's promises. I also gave you God's warnings. I didn't just tell you the parts that you would like so that you'd like me. And so I told you everything. That, you know, that's why we preach right through books of the Bible is because it's very easy to get on a hobby horse. It's very easy to just do your favorite stuff again and again. What, what going through a whole book does, it makes you preach everything. It makes you deal with all the difficulties because God doesn't just have promises. He also has warnings. You want to know this verse where, 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 where Paul says, I'm innocent of every man's blood? You know where that comes from? It comes from Ezekiel. God says this to Ezekiel. When I am warning people to repent and to turn from their ways or they will die, and you are unwilling to give them that warning, their blood is on your hands. You've got blood on your hands. You need to tell people, not just the good stuff, you need to warn them of my judgments. You need to warn them of rebellion and unholiness, and you need to bring the whole package and Paul's like, I'm standing before you. And he says, you guys know this. I didn't, I didn't tell you just what you wanted to hear. I told you what you needed to hear. It's just part of feeding faithfully. Leadership you can trust. They, they live it. They, they are an example. They please God, not man. They feed the people of God, and finally, they protect those under their care. Listen to Acts 20, 28 through 30. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Here's what he says to the elders. Wolves are coming, and it might be some of you. You need to watch over your life. You need to watch over your message. And then he gives the definition of a wolf. A wolf is somebody that is drawing people after themselves. They're lifting up their own name, their own church, their own denomination. It's all about me. It's all about us. And if you leave here, you know, I can't promise what's going to happen because it's about us and you need to be part of it. Watch out. Watch out when leadership starts manipulating. Watch out when it becomes all about our thing and what we're doing. Listen to first, this is once again to Timothy. Here's what he says. First Timothy 4.16. I'll, we'll go up here. Watch your life and doctrine closely. 
persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Here's what he says to his leader. You need to watch over your life very closely. Very closely. Did you know that you never see a leader fall? All you see is a leader hit bottom. By the time it gets into the news, they hit bottom. By the time an elder comes up and says, oh yeah, our pastor's been sleeping with a secretary for three months and he's no longer here. He's in Hawaii and so bad. It's over. That's not the fall. The fall started when he stopped having a quiet time. The fall started in a very hidden place where he stopped fearing God and started trying to please everybody around him and started thinking about money more or the secretary more or this or whatever. And, and you say, well, Pastor Tom, how could that ever happen? Let me tell you how it happens. It's easy to hide when you're the leader. You've got a gift. You've got an anointing. You can, you can get away with it in front of people. For a long time. That's why Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, that won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And they will say to me in that day, and this is many, Lord, we prophesied in your name, that means preaching. We did miracles in your name, that means praying for people, getting used in the anointing. And Jesus said, I'll say to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You, you never knew me. You met me. But you never, you never knew me. You, you used me. You used my anointing for your own purpose. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Watch over yourself closely. Watch over your life closely. And then he says, watch over your doctrine closely. Jesus gave the two sides of the, Chris, the, the Christian road in Matthew 16, 6. He said, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Leaven means a little, you get a little of this, you allow a little of this, and it will start spreading, and it will take everything over. The, it's the two sides of the Christian road. The, the Sadducees, the leaven of the Sadducees, which it just says here, leaven, does it say Leaven. Be on your guard, be careful. Yeast, okay, yeast. Um, you know, they're like, this is because we forgot bread. And Jesus says, no, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the teaching, the teaching of the Sadducees and the teaching of the Pharisees. The Sadducees taught worldliness. Get along with the world. Don't worry about the afterlife. There's no resurrection. There's no miracles. You need to just get all you can now. It was worldly teaching. It didn't believe the Bible was the word of God uh, other than the first few books. And it, it just had a very, it just was get along with Greece, get along with Rome and make your life. And uh, th this teaching made them very wealthy. The Pharisees, the other side of the Christian road, their teaching was about legalism. It was all about rules. One is all about self. One is all about rules. This is license. This is legalism. The performance identity is, it, 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 it's like leaven. When it takes over your life, it's all about trying harder. It's all about failing. It's all about, about you doing more, doing more. And the Pharisees just kept, kept adding rules. And Jesus rebuked them and said, you, got, you tie heavy loads upon people's necks and do nothing to remove them. 
Did you know that the Christian life is not the hard life? It's the narrow life. Why? It's easy to get off the road. It's easy to find yourself in worldliness, and it's all about you. It's all about just me making myself happy. It's easy to get over there. You got to get back. The center is Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus is the power. Jesus is everything. And it's easy to get over into legalism. You're trying harder. You want to please God. And, and, and so I'm going to do this more. And I'm going to do that more. And I'm going to do that more. And pretty soon there's no joy left. It's just the rules. And God is your duty instead of your delight. And in your anger of trying harder, you're, that's all you can give to everybody else is you guys aren't trying hard enough. It doesn't bring any life. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So... Jesus gave two rules to his leaders. One was, one was to let the wheat and the tares grow together. Jesus said, you just let, 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 I know what's going on in people's lives. You don't have to figure out what everybody's doing. Let the wheat and the tares, come as you are. Let them grow up. Let them, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're trying to figure out who's sinning and who's doing what's wrong and I got to find out about this person and find out, he said, you're going to end up pulling up some wheat that looked like a tear to you. He said, you don't have to worry about it. Just, just come as you are. Let people just come and, and, and let them grow. Leaders need to protect, come as you are. And then secondly, he said, leaders are in charge of removing leaven. When one of the people is biting the other people, somebody has to tell them to stop biting. God loves you. God is for you. Stop biting other sheep. That's illegal. And so this is kind of a thankless job. Um, and I have this little conversation with the Lord when I am going to have a confrontation. One of my staff, one of the leaders in the church, one, one of, somebody is doing something wrong, they're teaching something wrong, and they're affecting other people, and they have to be confronted. And this is, see, I love feeding. I don't mind leading, but I hate weeding. I hate confrontation. And you say, Pastor Tom, why do you hate confrontation so much? Because confrontation is where people say, um, um, no, it's not true, and I hate you, and I'm leaving the church, and I'm taking everybody that I know with me, and I mean, just bad things happen with confrontation. And so, um, so, uh, so I will have this little time of self-pity, God, why why can't people just do the right thing? Why can't, why, 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 these are leaders. Why can't leaders do the right thing? Why do, why do I, why do, and, and then he reminds me. He gently reminds me. If everybody did the right thing, you wouldn't have a job. You would be completely unnecessary. This is the most important thing you do. Stop complaining that it's hard. Here's how a confrontation goes. And it's most difficult in a charismatic church because the confrontations are always framed with God told me. So I'm doing this and I'm leading the church this way and God told this person that I'm doing it the wrong way and that God wants to do it this way and I'm leading this other faction to do it God's way and da 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 and, 
and I, and I have to say these words, and, and here, here's how I say I never say, I'm the leader, so we're going to do it my way. And I never say, well, God told me, and he's lying, and, and what you're listening to is the devil. I never say that. Here's what I say. You know what, bro? Or ma'am? You might be right. What you're saying may actually be the word of God. I'm not sure. But here's what I do know. That right now, I'm, in, I'm the one that God put in charge of this church, not you. And I also know this, that God knows what I think he's saying. Whether it's right or wrong, God knows that I think this is the right thing. So I appreciate your input. But we're going we're gonna to do it this way. And if this isn't going to work for you, then then sorry, but I love you. We're going we're gonna to do a, a couple verses of this song, but before we do, I've got something I want to I pray for all of us. So if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and opening your arms. Lord, the, the, it's complicated. Our relationship with leaders is very complicated. And God, you know every wound, every hurt, every arrow, every betrayal, every manipulation. Jesus, God, as, as, as a leader, I ask our people to please forgive me and forgive us. For those that were caused directly by me, I certainly say, please, please forgive me. Leaders are broken people. Leaders are trying, but they often do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and just don't do it perfect. Please forgive me. But God, I also want to speak on behalf of every leader that has hurt every person in this church. That pastor that abused, that Sunday school teacher, that, Lord, you know every hurt, you know every wound, you know how deep it went because they came for healing and they got hurt instead. Lord, we don't want to be on the sidelines because of our hurt. We want to be healed. So Lord, we give you our hurt today. It says that you purchased the church with your own blood. Jesus, you sacrificed greatly so that your church would be together, that you would raise up an army of people that are working together. Heal me. Heal us. Pour out your spirit, we pray.